Welcome to In Conversation, the podcast that fuels your entrepreneur spirit. Brought to you by Inhomoko. We deliver thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, game changers, and unsung heroes, all making an impact in their communities and shaping the future of business. Let's grow together and transform the world, one business at a time. Hello, my name is Emmanuel Gashagaza. I'm a senior business advisor here at Inhomoko, and I will let our guests introduce ourselves. Thank you, Emmanuel, uh, and thank you for having me on this podcast. My name is Doreen Orishara. I'm the managing director of Basigoranda. Just two days old in this role, but really, really honored and excited to, to be leading the team as Basigo expands into Rwanda. My background really is in electric vehicle development. I've been into this for more than 10 years. Started out at Kira Motors in Uganda. That's where I was first introduced to electric vehicle development. So I have a Bachelor of Science degree in electrical engineering and then a master's in engineering management. Some people usually ask me, how did you get into the vehicle world? I was really privileged to be introduced to vehicles at an early stage. However, my career was really greatly shaped when I joined Kira Motors, where at that time when we said, okay, we're developing electric vehicles, you know, the rest of the world was like, what are you doing? Especially the rest of Africa. I mean, it, it was the first project on the continent. And at that time, electric vehicles were being looked at as things that are far from us, things that were from the future. But I'm really glad that the adoption of the electric vehicle is becoming more and more commonplace at the moment. Thank you so much. Congratulations for your new role. Could you please tell us about Basigo Rwanda and your big vision? Uh, so Basigo is an e-mobility company with a vision to provide electric buses across African cities as a competitive alternative to the conventional diesel bus. We are headquartered in Nairobi in Kenya. That's where we started from. And in Nairobi, we started our operations as early as March 2022. That's when we had our first electric buses um, into operation. It also started out as a pilot, and we are proud that that has now grown to 21 vehicles in Nairobi, of which 19 are in operation with six different operators. So following the success of the pilot and then the plan for scale in Nairobi, the opportunity for Rwanda also came up. We have expanded now into Rwanda. We came to Rwanda last year and we started our pilot operation in December, December 11th. That's when we had the first two uh, electric buses start operations in Rwanda. We, we are a mission-driven company. We are really here to provide solutions to the climate change crisis that's really happening all over the world. So in as much as, yes, we are driving business, but at the bottom of this all, we are seeking to, to be contributors to reducing the burden that climate change is sending all over around the world. Public transport requires a big investment. Electricity is still very costly in Africa. How did you decide to invest in this rather than native sector? That's an interesting um, question because it it really speaks to the core of what Basigo is. So Basigo ideally exists to address the barriers to the adoption of the electric vehicle, or specifically the electric bus in African cities. And what are these main barriers? The main barriers include the high cost of the electric vehicle technology, and Basigo addresses this through a financing model that we call pay as you drive. 
just like the word goes, pay as you drive. We provide the electric buses to the operators and they give us a very low deposit and then they continue to pay for the vehicle. It, it's really a lease structure where they continue to pay for the vehicle for every kilometer that they drive. So as they continue to drive, then they're able to continuously meet the cost of that vehicle. The other barrier that you can't talk about an electric vehicle without talking about how it's going to be charged. Charging infrastructure is one big headache, especially when you think about the commercial vehicles, because they are heavy vehicles. That means the batteries are big, they are, they are power hungry. You're going to require a significant amount of power in order to be able to charge them. And so setting up that charging infrastructure, it's both complex and it's also capital intensive. And this is where Basigo comes in to ensure that we remove that barrier. We shoulder the burden of that charging infrastructure and make sure that whoever we provide a bus with, we're also going to provide the charging. And the charger is not just a charger. <laughs> this is why we call it infrastructure. We require connection to high voltage lines. In some of the places that we have had to set up, there has been no transformer with the right capacity to be able to, to provide the right amount of power for our charging requirement. So we have to come in and procure and install new transformers, provide those charging lines. And ideally, there's no operator who one would want to sink money and time into doing that. That is the, the second barrier that we help to address. The third is service and maintenance. Of course, this being a new technology, everyone always wonders, okay, if I bring this new vehicle, how am I going to service it? Is the cost going to be very high? And usually we know that if cost is high, people will not want to venture into this, especially it being the commercial sector. So Basigo has trained an expert team of technicians and mechanics and engineers that are able to competently service the vehicles and keep them on the road. We, we've taken the time to invest in what it takes to make sure that these buses are on the road and they are kept on the road every single day, despite it being a new technology. So in as much as we've been to places where people say, I'm not able to charge my phone, how are you going to be able to charge such a huge vehicle? Is there enough power in Kenya? Is there enough power in Rwanda? And is it cost effective? But the truth is today, electricity, it's a lot more affordable than the diesel. And I would like to applaud some of the governments that have gone ahead to incentivize the adoption of the electric vehicle. Case in point, in Kenya, there is a special e-mobility tariff that has been set up to support charging of the electric vehicles. Here in Rwanda, government has also set the e-mobility tariff, whoever is charging an electric vehicle gets to benefit. So in as much as the cost of generating electricity may be high, but the governments have come in to subsidize. And that's the thing on, on our side, we, we are consumers of the electricity that is being generated in the countries. The key thing to note here is one, electricity has been made more affordable than the diesel. And the impact of that is definitely being seen in the operational cost of the buses. So comparing the cost of operating the diesel bus and comparing the cost of operating an electric bus, the benefit is already being seen. So yes, electricity may be very costly, but on the consumer end, it's being made more affordable. Yes, it does. And thank you so much. It's interesting how you started and have all the solutions that the people who want to use the buses can have. But a quick one, how far can the bus run on one charge? So we... We do not have the same bus across two markets. Each market has its own product because the requirements of the market are 
separate. So in Nairobi, our buses have a range of 250 kilometers on a single charge. However, on a given day, they are still able to do as high as 400 kilometers. Reason being, they're able to take advantage of the off-peak hours where the buses can come back to the charging depots and top up to be able to run some more kilometers later in the day or so. In Rwanda, our buses have a range of 300 kilometers. And because again, it's a different environment, our buses are able to run the whole day without even requiring that midday top up. Wow, that's really interesting. Another question, you have recently shared on your social media that your buses have mitigated over 500 tons of carbon emissions. Could you share more about that? And please tell us more about the environmental impact of your buses. Ah, great. Yeah, so one key advantage of the electric bus is the electric vehicle leads to significant reduction in, in the greenhouse emissions. So you will hear them also being referred to as zero tailpipe emission vehicles. This is because they produce little to zero, really, tailpipe emissions. And that means at the end of the day, it, there's going to be less CO2 that's being emitted. So they are less pollutant than the diesel or the petrol-powered vehicles. That's one end of pollution. There's the other element of pollution, which is noise. If there is one thing that really excites me about the electric bus, the electric vehicle, it's it's about how quiet they are. They are quiet because it's a battery. What is making noise in the diesel-powered vehicles is the engine. So there is noise from the engine, the vibrations um, that are sent throughout the vehicle. However, in the electric bus, all that is eliminated and it becomes quiet. But then also these buses are leading to an improvement in the air quality. There's little to really zero tailpipe emission of the other pollutants. The target is that there should be an improvement of, of the air quality once you have a significant number of these electric buses and other vehicles on the road. So ideally, when we say the buses have now mitigated about 500 tons of CO2, what we're trying to say is, had these vehicles been diesel, that is the amount that would have been released into the atmosphere. But because they are electric vehicles, you're no longer making that pollution. We work with refugees and surrounding communities in Rwanda, Kenya, Ethiopia, and South Sudan, which are often located in rural underserved locations. How do you plan to include rural communities in achieving your goal of an inclusive, sustainable mobility revolution? Yes. Uh, thank you, Emmanuel. That's an interesting question, especially when we think about inclusivity. So for the beginning, as BASIGO, we are focusing on the city, but then with a growth plan of addressing the upcountry requirements as well. So for now in Kenya, our operation is concentrated within the Nairobi metropolitan area, uh, the buses that we have, they're providing services within Nairobi. In Rwanda, we've also started out within just Kigali. But as part of growth, we would be addressing the requirement to provide these buses for transport along upcountry routes. And that's going to come as we grow our charging network. That is also going to come as we grow our service network. So all those may be part of the growth plan. And you may want to know that one of our values, our key values as Basigo is accessibility. Our dream is to ensure that 
as many people as possible can access the electric bus. Yeah, but for now we are hoping that the rural area dwellers will experience the bus when they come to the city. But in a couple of months, years, we should be able to take the electric bus to them as we grow that supporting infrastructure. As a follow-up question, most of our clients are MSMEs who need to transport goods from smaller markets to secondary cities. Are there any plans to incorporate logistical and freight services? Yes, absolutely. Trucks are part of our growth plan, part of our growth strategy as well. We've started with buses, but we are looking to conquer the commercial vehicle space, which includes the truck. Because right now we, we are focused on fast meeting the demand. The demand in Nairobi, is, it's great. It's overwhelming in a good way. We have reservations for 451 buses as we speak. So our priority is going to be to first meet that demand, deliver those orders. In Rwanda, we already have a growing reservation list of 47 as we speak, but this is because we've also just started. But the target is to deliver 100 buses within this year. So we will be focusing on first meeting this demand for the buses, but absolutely we have not ruled out the truck. The trucks will are part of our growth and expansion strategy as well. Revolutionary ventures frequently face unique financial and operational challenges. Can you share some of the key challenges you've encountered in the journey to transform public transportation and how you overcame them? I wouldn't call them challenges as well. I think what I highlighted are challenges that the industry faces or what is hampering the adoption of the electric bus. But maybe one key element I will have to highlight is the setup of the charging infrastructure. Probably when we were setting out, we didn't think it would be as hard as in some cases it has proven to be. There's particular criteria that we follow in order to find the perfect charging site location. So eventually getting that location, sometimes it's really taken us a bit longer than we thought it would. Like I highlighted, these are very power thirsty buses. That means we need to deploy what we call DC fast chargers. And these are bigger than what you have been seeing probably across the cities. They are much bigger, not just size, but in terms of capacity. So part of our criteria is we're always looking for places that have access to high voltage power. Well, before you get into this business, you'll be seeing high voltage power literally around you. <laughs> but the question is, do the transformers there have the headroom? Are the lines able to sustain that kind of demand that we'll be putting onto the grid? I, I would say perhaps the time that sometimes it takes for us to settle onto a charging site location, that is probably the one element that has been a key challenge. Maybe one other element has been financing, let's say, from the banks to our customers. But then we, we've come to understand that it's because of the uniqueness of our model as well. So getting a great structure where the banks would be fully on board, it's just taking us a while to get there. So maybe that's why I would term it as a challenge. But we are hoping that we'll be able to address some of these with time. So in summary, I would say that the challenges are really good challenges. All right. Thank you, Doreen. And uh, it's really interesting how you feel like these challenges are also opportunities uh, for us. Absolutely. That's the right word. The challenges mm -hmm. are opportunities for us.
You launched at Basigo Randa in partnership with AC Mobility with a goal to deliver 200 electric buses to bus operators in Rwanda by the end of 2024. The government of Rwanda aims to convert 20% of public bus fleet to electric by 2013. How do you envision your partnership supporting this ambitious initiative? That's an interesting one. Thank you. Because we know that transport in any city is going to contribute about 25% of the air pollution, Rwanda has really set up the right conducive environment for the adoption of electric vehicles. E-mobility is really being pushed for here in Rwanda. For example, electric vehicles, they are exempted from duties. They're exempted from VAT. That means it's becoming more and more affordable to bring in electric vehicles into Rwanda. And the data that we are collecting in this pilot, it's helping us refine our financial model even better so that we are in a near perfect state when it comes to scale. That means we know the best specification to, to have for the bus, the best way to lay out and plan for the charging infrastructure, the best way to build our operators, uh, because again, we do not operate. We provide these buses to bus operators to add to their fleets. We are really glad that we are at the forefront of this. We are, we are taking the lead in proving one thing, that one electric buses can actually work in Kigali. It's the land of a thousand hills. And when we were still doing our market survey, guess what the number one question always was? Whenever I would say we are bringing the electric bus to Kigali, everyone would ask, are you sure the electric bus can go up the hills? And right now, we are really proud that we've proved that. We are providing answers to the questions, let's say, that the city of Kigali had. We are providing answers to, to the government in general. We are engaging them. We are sharing the data with them. And, and we are also providing the solution. Because again, like I said, the environment was right, but no one had done it at all until we came on board. So we are providing the solution that they have always desired in, in having the electric bus. And I can think of no one better poised to deliver the 200 buses that that city indicated they require in Kigali than Basigo. Basigo Rwanda has experience in introducing electric buses to Nairobi's public transport fleet. Could you share some of the insights into the reception and adoption of electric buses by the public transport operators and passengers in Nairobi, and how that has informed your approach in Rwanda. Absolutely. We love the reception. It's amazing. It's overwhelming. It, it's what we hoped for and even more. In Nairobi, we ran a pilot with two buses for six months, but I can assure you that by the end of the third month, the word had already gone round. We started taking reservations for whoever wanted the next buses. And as we speak, we have a reservation list of 451 buses. That means operators, about 130 circles have come forth and said, we want your electric buses. So now the onus is upon us to deliver. And that is what we are doing. We are really grateful to our, our current operators for choosing to go electric, choosing to partner with us. But again, most of them have also been great ambassadors. This is how the number of reservations has grown. In Rwanda, before we started out, one operator had one question for me. They asked, do you really think this is a good business for us to get into? And of course, this is why we, we said 
start with a pilot, be a part of it so that you, you know, you have the experience firsthand. And I can tell you that by the end of the first month, they were already beating down a door for more buses. They're like, they have seen how the bus operates. They have seen the operation. They have looked at how it compares with their diesel fleet. And right now, the question has moved from, will this business work to when can we have more buses? The other operator has also come forth and said that the electric bus has been a game changer for them. Reason being, they have been able to take care of all the costs surrounding the electric bus operation, purely based on the revenue on a day-to-day -day basis. So maybe to give this a bit of context, from the COVID-19 pandemic period, because I mean, people were not moving and the number of people on any given vehicle was restricted. I think here in Kigali, the capacity per bus was even less than half of what they were supposed to carry. Definitely, yes. This was compounded by the increasing costs of fuel over the years. Operations have become quite tough for the diesel fleet. What happened was government had to step in to alleviate some of these elements by providing subsidies to the bus operators. So what happened was to shoulder the passengers from high cost, but to also make sure that operators can still make money, they are still in business, government stepped in and provided what they call the, the fair subsidy. So what happens is ideally passenger fares are subsidized by 28%. And that 28%, now government comes in to pay it, to top it up to the operator every month. For diesel bus operations to be sustained, the operators rely on that 28%. So again, every day they collect fares from the bus, but then at the end of the month, they are expecting that government top up of 28% of the total revenue they have made. So what happens is currently on the diesel bus, it's hard for them to sustain their operations without that top up. However, in the case of the electric bus, because the operational cost has come lower, on the electric bus, the operators have been able to cater for their operations um, associated with the electric bus without waiting for that government subsidy. It is a game changer for them. So the benefits of the electric bus are becoming more and more and more apparent. We just recently started taking those reservations, but we, we know that the number is growing and the target is to, to deliver 100 units within the next 12 months. The demand is overwhelming and we have several of them who may even be new operators, but because they have heard of how well the electric bus is performing, they're like, my next fleet has to be the electric. And we are really excited about making the electric bus fleet um, a reality for most of them. Looking ahead, what are your aspirations and future plans in terms of expanding your innovations across Africa? Are there specific regions or cities you are targeting for growth? I think we, we are in a great position where I could say we are we're becoming masters at this. So in as much as, yes, we have demand already to satisfy in these two countries, when another opportunity in another country sets itself, we're not going to say no, that's for sure. Our mission is to cover Africa. So yeah. we are willing to to take this model, to take the vertical business model, wherever it's going to make great business sense for us, wherever it's going to make great economic sense for the bus operators. We target areas where 
there is one sustainable energy two if there is even government incentive to encourage the adoption of the electric vehicles such as the right tax regime such as favorable electricity tariffs that even makes our work easier make the model much easier to implement in such places where the market at the end of the day is what's going to determine is there a market as long as there's a market as Basigo, we are we are happy to provide solutions across different countries in Africa. To wrap things up, for other entrepreneurs and innovators in the green technology space, what advice would you offer based on your experiences in driving sustainable and impactful changes on the continent? First, understand what solution am I bringing? What am I trying to address? What specific need and challenge? is there in the locality that I'm trying to target, in the niche that I'm targeting, what solution is going to meet a specific need? The other thing I would mention to them is that we have a culture at Batsigo and I see how it has greatly helped in our communication with different stakeholders, with operators. And this culture that we have is keeping track of the impact that we, we are creating and being able to communicate that. It becomes very easy for us to, to have these conversations with different stakeholders. Case in point, the one area that we are also happy and really proud to talk about is how many diesel liters we avoid in our operations. We talk about diesel because speaking about East Africa, none of the East African countries produces oil. We all import oil. At the end of the day, we import diesel and petroleum is, has proved to be the leading import in terms of value across all these countries. Look at Uganda, think about Rwanda, think about Kenya. Our biggest forex bill, as far as importation is concerned, is going to be petroleum products. So if we keep track of how many diesel liters we have avoided, because that is di directly translating into how much forex we have saved the nation, how much we have saved from exporting that to procure diesel. And yet these countries generate electricity locally. So we keep track of uh, how many liters of diesel we have avoided, what that means in terms of actual money, so that the operator knows how much they have saved by going electric. But then the, the governments also get to understand how much forex they have saved in not going with diesel because now we become consumers of the locally generated electricity and what that has meant in terms of uh, revenue to the utility companies, which turns into a saving on the national scene. So I think if entrepreneurs and innovators can find a way to measure their impact, keep track of it and learn how to communicate it, it becomes an easier way for them to prove their case. Definitely. Thank you so much, Tony. Uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, your insights and a good conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emmanuel. Thank you for having me. At Ingomoko, we're dedicated to empowering entrepreneurs across Africa with the tools, resources, and knowledge they need to flourish in today's competitive business landscape. Now we're bringing that passion to this podcast, taking you on a journey through inspiring stories from around the globe.